Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is John Mercier, and I'm chair of the Legacy uh, Society or the Legacy Giving Committee in our congregation. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. O oh God, light of the hearts that see you, life of the souls that love you, strength of the thoughts that seek you, to turn from you is to fall, to turn to you is to rise, to abide in you is to stand fast forever. Although we are unworthy to approach you or to ask anything at all of you, grant us your grace and blessing for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let us worship God. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Our Lord calls us to walk in the light in order to have true fellowship with one another and to be cleansed from sin. So let us humbly confess our sins to God. 
Gracious God, in the company of your people, we confess our sins to you. We have been angry and impatient, complaining about the faults of others and failing to see our own. We have been lazy and selfish, neglecting the interests of others and pursuing our own. We have been faithless and unworthy, ignoring the strength you offer and relying on our own. God of mercy, you have promised to forgive those who truly repent. Help us to accept your forgiveness and dwell in us by your spirit. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Listen to the word of God. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be as wool. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, if we walk in the light, cleanses us from all sin. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Again, let us repeat that wonderful affirmation of faith in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's take a moment to greet one another in the spirit of our Lord.
Good morning. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. It is great to be here as the people of God to be worshiping together. We want to pray for all those Michigan State fans today. <laughs> we need to pray for those Cubs fans too, come on. We need this World Series to be competitive. I don't have a dog in that hunt, so, so just, so, just so you know. We uh, would love to know of your presence with us today. Uh, first, through a handshake or a hug, but also uh, through your signing the friendship pad, which is are in the pew, and we ask you to pass those along, and we encourage you to note those folks who are sitting near, near you, and we encourage you to uh, call them out by name after the service and uh, perhaps invite them to a cup of coffee underneath the tree. We had a great night last night uh, here on our campus, Trunk or Treat. Went uh, very, very well, and we had people from all over the community. It was wonderful uh, here, and uh, did their little walk around the biblical story and received uh, goodies and most of all the hospitality of Church of the Palms. So it was, a, it was a great night, and we're grateful for all those of you who participated in one form or fashion, and so we're delighted that we can be a host to our community. We also will be hosting our community this afternoon. We'll be having a wonderful concert here, three o'clock in the sanctuary. Uh, the joint choirs of Riverview High School and Sarasota Young Voices will be here. You're not gonna wanna miss this. This is gonna be a wonderful afternoon of music and we would love to have you come and join us. Tickets available underneath the tree and uh, it will be a, it'll be a great afternoon of beautiful music. We are getting ready to ring the bell again. Salvation Army is, uh, uh, beckoning us to assist again this year, and it's always been a highlight for many of you to take your turn uh, in front of a local uh, supermarket, ring the bell, and invite people to donate to the Salvation Army as they go about their annual uh, Christmas appeal. Uh, we have our Messiah concert coming up uh, in the beginning of December, and we just started rehearsals for that this past week, so it's not too late for you to join uh, that choir and uh, also to mark that on your calendar. So we hope that you'll take note of that announcement in the bulletin. Our November Connect magazine is on, uh, can be picked up on the way out. So you'll get all the information about what's happening here at Church of the Palms. So we want you to make sure you take that home with you. We will be, I have a little article on there about uh, the time change next Sunday. So you get an extra hour next week. Don't show up here an hour early. So I won't chase you away if you show up here an hour early, but we hope that you'll come and join us uh, for uh, not only every Sunday, but also uh, for next Sunday as well. We are grateful for all the many opportunities that we have the chance to give back to our gracious God. Uh, and we are grateful to have John Mercier here today, who's going to share with us a little bit about another opportunity for you to share beyond even your days. Thank you, Steve, for the opportunity to share some thoughts about uh, legacy giving uh, this morning. Um, we all need to remember that we are indebted to the past and to those who have preceded us. We drink from water from wells we haven't dug. We enjoy liberties that we have not won. We share faith whose foundations we have not laid. Just think about the foundation for the Church of the Palms, which became active some 30 plus years ago now with assets exceeding $5 million, composed of gifts that just keep on giving. We are indebted to those brothers and sisters in Christ 
who had the foresight to plan ahead for our future and those who have continued to provide funding for special missions, capital repairs, remodeling, capital campaigns, ongoing major building repairs and replacement, staff development and training, uh, relatively new van, the new digital sign that you see out on Bee Ridge Road, uh, current communications consulting, and it goes on and on. You and I, I believe, owe similar resources uh, to spread the gospel and to provide the resources for our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren. We are seeds of the future for those who will follow and succeed us as those before us have been. We dream and envision and set things in motion, such as the New Palm Center. The fruit of our decisions will be known only to others whom we may never meet. We are called to partner in faith with those who have gone before us and to offer the best that we have to give to those who will follow. Uh, in addition to the foundation, and talk a moment about the legacy giving ministry, which then leads us to the legacy tree, which should be right behind me. About five years ago, we organized the legacy giving committee with the objective of offering information and guidance on a variety of convenient ways and methods for us to consider support of the future, whether it's for the church, the foundation, missions, or your other favorite charities. No way is this meant to be any legal advice, but merely information. We have, in cooperation with the foundation, developed materials, policies, communication pieces, and put greater emphasis on the Legacy Society, which was originally started by the foundation. A word about the Legacy Society, and I apologize, some of the members heard this last week, but it is brief. Uh, we have 196 individual members, which includes 61 state, uh, states that have been realized. Uh, we had a goal of 150, uh, yes, 150 by last year, and because we added the estates, that number has exceeded our goal. 30% uh, of those members have indicated that they've remembered the church in a will of a trust. Um, half of them uh, have not shared that information, and that information is totally optional. And then various ways, through a gift of a home, uh, through naming the church as beneficiary of insurance policies, um, balance of estates, uh, life income trusts, and beneficiary of IRAs and 401ks. Now, about this tree. There are a lot of legacy trees around this country, and they're all kind of cookie-cutter type, and we decided we wanted one of a kind. Well, we rejected the first tree. That's why it's taken us almost three years, uh, believe it or not, to get this done. We found an amazing local, local craftsman who put this together. Uh, we love this tree. A couple points about it. Uh, we dedicated it last Sunday uh, because there wasn't room for all of you to join us in the narthex. Um, there's a few leaves to be added. Uh, there's a permanent plaque that should be in the mail. It was supposed to have been shipped on Friday. Um, and we've uh, placed those plaques randomly. Uh, take a good look. If you're a member of Legacy Society, make sure we spelled your name right. And, 99.9% .9 guarantee we did. In the literacy rack out there, um, and also on our website, uh, is information how you can become involved in the Legacy Society. Uh, I also encourage you to take a look at the tree. 
Uh, there's also a card that we've included in the bulletin. I don't think it's in the large print one. Uh, for you to tell us that if you have already qualified or if you would like more information on it. Um, and then I'll be in front of the chancel after the service if you have any questions or comments. Thank you very much. to worship God in prayer. <clears throat> Let us pray. O God of all power and mercy, we have come this day to celebrate your grace and to worship you. We give you thanks for your word that comes to us through prophets and poets, written words of scripture, psalms, and songs of faith, and most importantly, through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is your word incarnate. We thank you for your hand in human history and for the gift of your church. We are grateful that your grace is found in every part of life and is the sure foundation of our hope. Trusting your grace, O oh God, we lift before our concerns for those for whom life is dangerous, hunger is all too real, and safety is to be found only in a refugee's flight. We lift those who struggle with pain and illness and ask for your healing. 
We pray for those who grieve and pray for your comfort to be given to them. O oh God, we pray for those who search for a way to live in your grace. May your gospel become real in their lives and guide them to become followers of Christ, we pray. We pray for the world in which we live. We ask guidance as we seek to care for the environment. Almighty God, in this season of presidential elections, we ask for your wisdom as we vote for new leaders. We once more lift up all those who serve the nation in the military, Christ in the church and mission field and humanity in relief organizations. Now we bring our prayers spoken and unspoken to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who taught us to pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us worship God through the giving of our tithings and offerings.
Let us pray. Accept these, our gifts and offerings, O God, for we bring them to you so that they will be used to spread your love and grace and the good news of the gospel near and far. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I would like to invite Carol and our children to come forward. <clears throat> All right, come on up here. Okay, have a seat. Is this good? You want to sit? Yeah. I have my assistant. So we had so many people on our campus last night. We were so, it was so fun. I don't have to tell you guys what tomorrow is, right? What's tomorrow? Halloween. Yeah, Halloween. Okay, Halloween. Yes, so we had trunk or treat on our campus last night. And so a lot of people, did anybody get dressed up last night was here? Walter, what were, what were you dressed up as? I was dressed up as Jesus. Ooh, okay. <laughs> that was interesting. <laughs> so because it's Halloween tomorrow, I thought I would bring in my pumpkin. And you know what? I have a really good way to show you how a, carving a jack-o'-lantern can be very much like a prayer. So what, what were you? I... What are you going to be for Halloween? Ariel. Ariel. I love it. Anybody else going to be something for Halloween? What are you going to be? A police officer. That's very respectable. What about you? Huh? Batman. Batman. That's always a good one. Sophie. Katniss Everdeen. Oh. A gumball machine. A gumball machine. I want to see that one. A vampire. A vampire. Okay. So, one of the things that my family loves to do is go to the pumpkin patch or Publix and pick out a pumpkin. <laughs> so, we go there and we pick out, should we look them all over and we try to pick out just the right one. We want to make sure that it's a good one, right, to carve and that it's not rotten on the inside. So, you might want to turn around and watch Walter. Okay, so, here's how it works. So, just like, just like um, we, just like we want to pick out the right pumpkin, we ask God if he would give us grace and wisdom so that we would always choose to do the right thing and make good decisions in life. So who's going to tell me what the first thing we do when we start to, to carve our jack-o'-lantern? What do we do? You take off the top. Hmm, okay. Walter, can you, um, my assistant, can you cut off the top? Just like that. <laughs> okay, so I ask God, this is how it works. God, help me in my mind to listen and to, do, to know your word and to, to, to make right decisions. Okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Sage. What you take out the insides. Oh, what's in there? What's in there? Oh, the goopy, yucky stuff, right? So we scoop out the yuckies, and we say to God, we say, oh, that was convenient. We say, God, take out all the bad stuff in my life, like sin and the, the wrong things I do, and fill me up with your love. All right, what's next? What would we next, next would we carve? What would we carve next? Carved out, you carved out 
the mouse and the eyes. The, uh, okay. Do we've got eyes there, Walter? <laughs> oh. Nice. So we say, God, thank you for my eyes to see all the beautiful things that you have made in this world. What else? What's the next thing? Sam. Mouth. Oh, mouth. <laughs> the mouth. So, so good. So we say, God, thank you and help me always to use your words of love and kindness. What else do we got? We have a nose? No. No? Oh, just like that. <laughs> we say, God, we say, we say, God, I am sorry for all the times I've turned up my nose at all the things that I have been given. What else? We have, we ears. have ears. We have ears on there. So we say, help me, God, listen to your word. Okay, let's see. Are we, is that it? Yeah. Is it do we forget anything? Candle. A candle? What are, what are we, what are we going to put Forehead. In? A forehead. <laughs> okay, I think Sam had it right. We have to put a light in there. Right? Nice. So then we put that top back on. Just as God has filled us with his light, let us be a light to others in this world. And that is how our jack-o'-lantern can help remind us of the love that God gives us. You want to pray? I give you that. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for the fun we have together at Halloween. Just as we know, you are always present with us. Help uh, help guide our decisions. Keep us from doing wrong. Open our minds, open our mind and eyes to your beautiful creations. Help us remember to speak only kind and loving words and be a shining light to others. We love you. Amen. Amen. Okay, great. Thanks.
seated. As we have been saying, we have been making our way through the narrative lectionary and we have been following the great story of God and this Sunday assigned for us to consider is this, or I should say these, two very shocking stories. You know, sometimes uh, if you've been a Bible reader your whole life, you read these stories over and over again and um, you, they may kind of lose their effect on you, their grasp on you, and then all of a sudden you come across a couple of stories and they shock you and they make you wonder about what is God up to, what is God up to in the world, what is God up to in my life. So these are two such stories, first from 1 Kings chapter 17 and then from the Gospel of Matthew. Hear the word of God. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishba and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him saying, go from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the Wadi Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the Wadi and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and lived by the Wadi Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the Wadi. But after a while, the Wadi dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there, for I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel so that I may drink. And she was going to bring it, and he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son that we may, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Do not be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterwards make something for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. She went and did as Elijah said, so that she as well as, as he and her household ate for many days. And the jar of meal was not emptied. Neither did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. And then from the Gospel of Matthew, the 15th chapter, beginning at the 21st verse. Jesus 
left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your Holy Spirit, O Lord, we pray that you will shock us, shock our hearts, that we may hear again your word, we may have the top of our heads taken off and spoken into, that a new light might shine. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Her name was Jill, at least that's the name I'm giving her. She was a classmate of mine in Mrs. DeWale's sixth grade class at Gordon Elementary School on the east side of Detroit. Now I submit to you that probably every sixth grade class in America and perhaps the world has its resident outcast, the class untouchable. Jill had that dubious distinction for Mrs. DeWale's class at Gordon Elementary, at least when it came to us boys. Jill was pariah. Now, of course, there was nothing wrong with her. She was, God rest her soul, a perfectly fine human being. But to us boys, at least, Jill had several strikes against her. For some of us, the first strike was that she was a girl. Many sixth grade boys are at best ambivalent about the presence of girls in the world. So that was, that was the strike against her. Jill was a girl. The second strike was that Jill was tall. She hit her growth spurt early and sort of towered over us boys who had not yet matured and perhaps still have not. Her size, I suspect, intimidated us. Strike number two, third strike was her name. I won't tell you her last name, but it sounded to us like Rattlesnake. Of course, when I think of that name and now, it doesn't sound anything like Rattlesnake, but it was close enough for us, Jill Rattlesnake, we called her. Strike three. And there were more. She had glasses. She wasn't the best in gym class, and she was always coming to school late. Of course, it never dawned on us that the reason her mom brought her to school late all the time was that Jill probably didn't want to come to school because she didn't necessarily feel welcome there. And when she did come to school late, all of us boys would cringe to see where she would hang her coat on the coat rack because the deal was that if your coat got touched by Jill's coat, well, then you were infected. 
Oh yes, we were an enlightened group of sixth grade boys, let me tell you. Imagine then our reaction when during sixth grade camp there was a scheduled dance for all the sixth grade classes and some of the girls and Mrs. DeWale approached us boys and asked if one of us would bring, would ask Jill to dance. Are you nuts? You want us to dance with Jill? It's bad enough to dance at all, but with Jill? The gender, social, and pre-adolescent divide was far too wide. You might as well have asked us to leap over the Grand Canyon at its widest point. In our little sixth grade minds and hearts, there was absolutely no reason to cross that divide. I wish I could tell you that there was a happy ending to the story, but there isn't. During the dance, Jill remained in that corner, never to step onto the floor. There are just some places that an 11-year-old boy will never go. It has been said that prior to the voyage of Christopher Columbus that the maps of the world drawn by the Europeans took the flat world only so far and then showed it fading off into an unknown infinity. And at the edge of the ocean's frontier were written on the map these words, beyond this point, there be dragons. Beyond this point, there be dragons. I suppose that's what we thought at that sixth grade dance. Beyond the edge of the dance floor, there be dragons. But maybe that's what we think of anybody and anything that appears to be off our map. We all have this map, don't we? We call it maybe our comfort zone that shows all the comfortable places that we have charted out for ourselves, all the familiar faces, all the trails and path we have always we've already trod, the common customs and the people who look alike. We draw out the boundaries on our map and etch those words in ink or at least in our minds beyond this point there be dragons. As I said earlier, I grew up on the east side of Detroit, and for many of us, especially during the riots, the map stopped at Eight Mile Road. Eight Mile Road, in many respects, was the end of the road in that racially segregated part of metropolitan Detroit. Beyond this point, there be dragons. So for the people of Israel, if there was a map that charted the cultural and nationalist comfort zone, it would have been a map that stretched up north of Jerusalem and in and through the region of Galilee where Jesus grew up. Even for that point, there were some that thought that even Galilee was off the, off the map, that those were the backwoods people to those big city people in Jerusalem. When Jesus arrived on the scene in Jerusalem pretty early in his ministry, it was Nathaniel who wondered out loud, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They just weren't sure, but that little unfamiliar foreign region up there had some kind of shaky people. But north of Galilee and west over to the coast of the Mediterranean, there laid the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, if there's such a thing as code words in biblical mapdom, Tyre and Sidon is another way of saying off the map. Beyond this point, there be dragons. These are where the Canaanites live. These are where the non-Jews live. These are where 
meant to, to many the barbarians lived. You can go to a lot of places in the world. Oh, but you don't want to go up there. Oh, up and higher inside and you lock your car door. You don't stop to ask for directions and you certainly don't go there unless you're on your way to somewhere else. So it is to this region that Elijah, the prophet of Israel, is sent by God. There is a great famine in the land and nobody has anything to eat, so God sends Elijah first to the east across the Jordan to be fed by ravens, but then to the land of dragons, to the place of the unfamiliars, to way outside the comfort zone. He sends him to, of all people, a widow in the region of Sidon from the town of Zarephath, Elijah, the prophet of Israel, God sends to a non-Israel place, Zarephath, to a person who is potentially, couldn't be more unhelpful, a poor widow without even enough food to feed herself and her son. Seems like a strange plan. And yet it is in this off-the-map place, this region outside of the comfort zone, this point beyond which there be dragons, that Elijah and the poor widow discover something, and what they discover is that they need each other. Elijah invites the woman into this radical and faithful generosity, and she discovers in her generosity, in her giving away, that every day it turns out she still has as much as she needs. In her generosity, she discovers she has as much as she needs. She, she looks, keeps looking into that jar of meal, into that jar of oil, and she can't see anything more than just a day's worth, and yet she still takes her daily bread and her daily oil, and she shares it with the strange prophet from Israel, and the next day she looks into the jar of meal and the jar of oil, and what do you know? There's still enough. She discovers that the generous life always leaves enough to live on. Did you hear that? The generous life always leads, leaves enough to live on. And Elijah discovers in this mutual arrangement that he can trust his life to a dragon. He can trust his life to a dragon. Something miraculous happens when two strangers trust each other. Amazing what happens when you let yourself get off the map. So Matthew tells us this interesting story of Jesus making his way into Tyre and Sidon. He sets sail off the map and into the region of dragons. And sure enough, he meets one. He meets this screaming, desperate widow mother who comes to the prophet of Israel and yells to him, Have mercy upon me, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. Now, she's a Canaanite, remember? She is one of these undesirables. She is Jill Rattlesnake in the corner of the dance floor. She wants, though, just someone to see her maybe to care for her a little bit, to show just a little mercy, to pull her onto the dance floor, to make her think that her life counts and that her daughter counts. 
she may not even care much about Israel. <laughs> she may not even care much about prophets, but she cares about her little girl. And so we're shocked, aren't we, when this story does not go the way we think it's going to go. We just expect Jesus to do the Jesus kind of thing. We expect him to kind of wave his hand, make it all better for this dragon woman. But hold your horses, right? Because we know that Jesus is the high priest of God, as it's written in Hebrews, who is tempted in every way as we are. And Jesus is off the map. Jesus is in the land of strangers, and he's not quite sure that his life has anything to do with hers. That's an amazing temptation, isn't it? To think that when it comes to folks off the map where dragons be, that your life and my life have nothing to do with them. Hey man, sorry, you're on your own. Like to help, but I got my own problems. In fact, I'm not even sure I can trust you if I did try to help. And maybe you'll take advantage of me. Maybe you're a terrorist. Maybe you will put my friends at risk. It takes Jesus some time, finally, for Jesus to get to the point that maybe there was a reason he was led to get off this map to begin with. Jesus knew his Old Testament. What, he, what did he expect when he made his way into the land of Elijah and the widow? There was bound to be a request for generosity. Lord, be generous with yourself. Don't just give to your kind. Be radical, Jesus, with your grace and power. Let even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from your table. And then Jesus gets a hold of himself and looks into Jill Rattlesnake's eyes and says, oh my goodness, you're human like the rest of us. And maybe I can believe in you as much as you believe in me. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her little girl got better. Miraculous things happen when strangers trust each other. Miraculous things happen when we become radically generous with ourselves, with our daily bread. It was their daily bread that the local mosque up the street wanted to share with us this past summer our friends up at the Islamic Society of Sarasota sent us an invitation to join them for their nightly Ramadan feast when they break bread after their daily fast. So a few of us went, and for some it felt like a little trip off the map. It felt that way, especially as we passed the flashing lights of police cars at their boundary to protect them. Past those, we were graciously invited into their place of worship, their hall of prayer, and watched as listened as they prayed in a language we did not understand. But then came the language we all understand, food. <laughs> Wonderfully delicious food and good conversation with neighbors, not dragons.
Miracles happen when we trust each other with our daily bread. When I was a youth director eons ago, I served a church on the other side of Detroit who did the radical thing of adopting a Cambodian family, refugees from the aftermath of the Vietnam War. Oh, it was really uncomfortable. A lot of barriers, a lot of language to figure out, a lot of trauma to heal. Their two kids were in my youth group and some saw them as dragons and some saw them as friends. And somehow our jars of meal and oil never ran out. And they got to where they could take care of themselves and dad started a business, contributed to the economy, employees of Americans. It seemed to miraculously work out. I thought of them when I read of a Presbyterian church up in New Jersey just a couple weeks ago that took in a Syrian refugee family. Dragons, some of the church wondered them to be, folks from off the map, tempting, just like Jesus, to keep them away, dogs not worthy of the crumbs. But then to look into Jill Rattlesnake's eyes and discover, gosh, you're human like the rest of us. And maybe I can believe as much in you as you do in me. Let it be done for you as you wish. You remember E.B. White's timeless classic, Charlotte's Web? The great story of life in a barn where Wilbur the pig for years is cared for and protected by the young girl Fern, but as Fern grows older, her interests take her further and further away from the pig Wilbur, only for Wilbur to discover this little community inside the barn, Templeton, the gluttonous rat, the disdainful lamb, the goose and the sheep, and of course, Charlotte the gray spider. Christmas is coming, and Wilbur, because he's a pig, will be butchered. But what's that to a rat or a goose or a spider? Good thing, just a good thing you're not a pig. It's a million miles though, isn't it, from a spider's web to a pig's trough? Far off the map. But on the fateful morning when old Zuckerman comes for Wilbur to make of him Christmas dinner, what does he see? written into Charlotte's web, woven by the spider, but the words, some pig, some pig. It's enough to make old Zuckerman think twice and spare the pig. Some miracle, I say, when one of God's creatures sees that maybe Maybe my life has something to do with your life. So somewhere off your map and my map is a miracle to be found, a chance at some radical generosity, some hospitality perhaps to a stranger, a dragon to befriend, a chance to see in that jar of meal and that jar of oil that there will always be enough.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.